do this over again. I recorded this and I just didn't like the way that I sounded. So we're doing it, we're doing it again. So welcome back to another episode of Let's Get Into It. So before we get into it, if you like my like my play on words there, couple of things because today's guest and this episode is so good. So I can't wait to get into it. But couple orders of business here. First things first. If you guys don't know, last Friday I released a mini series that I'm going to be doing on the podcast for the next four weeks. And it's all about planning your business for 2020. These are the things that I do every year before the year ends to kind of set myself up um, for success in the following year. So this series it's four parts so one episode a week um so this last episode came out on friday it's episode 116 i'll include the link in the episode description but throughout the series we're going to be walking you through everything from breaking your business into quarters financial planning uh goals for your business and basically setting you up to actually achieve what you want next year and to actually make progress in your business i'm i have absolutely enjoyed recording this series so far so the next part of the series is going to come out this friday so definitely check out the first part of the episode because there's some things to do to bring to the second episode so you want to make sure you listen to that so that way you kind of you're keeping up you're with us when we start jump into episode 118 part two of the mini series the second thing is is i released a new freebie pdf for you about pinterest keywords and pinterest keywords in my opinion are the most important they are the peanut butter and jelly the bread and butter like they're everything you need when gaining traction on pinterest it's kind of like pinterest version of SEO or Instagram's like explore page and hashtag or Twitter's hashtags like keywords are everything on Pinterest. That's what's actually going to get your content in front of the right audience. So I put together a little document because that is one of the things that you guys ask me for about a lot is like, how do I even like start on Pinterest? And I think the important thing is to really know how to get your what you're creating in front of the right audience because there's no point right of like putting creating a pin or creating a blog post if no one's gonna read it I mean we can write for ourselves all we want like get a journal write for yourself there but when it comes to putting things on the internet I'm assuming everyone wants to get eyeballs onto what they're creating so that Pinterest keyword document is I spent a lot I wouldn't say like I didn't spend months on it, but I definitely took my time creating it. And I'm really, really happy with how it turned out because I really do think it will help you. So you can, I'm going to include the link. It's going to be the first link in the show notes. So that way you can just click into it, drop your email in, and then I will shoot it over to you. The third thing is my December playlist came out last week and I'm obsessed with it. So I put out a podcast, a podcast, a playlist 
every month and I've done this since the beginning since January of this year so if you go to my Spotify profile it's only available on Spotify um, you will see every month from this year a playlist that I've put out um, with just music that I'm listening to I also have a couple of other playlists on there for like meditation um, classical music because that's kind of what I like to jam out to when I'm in a super deep focus and this December playlist is probably I don't know I mean I've loved every single pot every pod why do I keep saying that every playlist that I've put out but um December's is just really fun it's like has some 80s music in there a little I don't know Janis Joplin which I don't I really like her so yeah definitely go check that out um, I think that's pretty much it. So I'll tell you about today's guest. Her name is Erin Vasquez. And Erin and I met on this wonderful app called Shaper. And if you guys have been listening for a while, you know that I love Shaper. And why am I not sponsored by them is a mystery. <laughs> because I have talked about them at nauseum. Um, I basically call Shaper like if LinkedIn and Tinder had a baby. So it's strictly professional. You basically see someone's professional profile, like what it is that they do, what it, if they're looking for any specific opportunities, um, what their qualifications are, like those types of things. And then you can swipe left or right, depending on if you want to match with them or not. And Aaron and I matched about a year ago and we just have we had our first like conversation on the phone and then we just continued to kind of keep in touch and we could check in with each other every couple of months and I love our conversations because we kind of go from talking about business stuff to more like spiritual spiritual growth things and there's always there's so many things that we talk about that would appear black and white but Aaron and I dwell in this gray area of like empathy and compassion and wanting to understand ourselves and the world a little bit better and how we can be more of service. And it's just it's so rare that you find someone like that. And I was listening back to our conversation and editing and I was like, I Every time I have a conversation with Aaron, I leave it and I feel so good. Like I feel uplifted and I feel so inspired because Aaron is a lot smarter than me. A lot of people are a lot smarter than me, but she is so intelligent. And the the ideas that she has and the way she structures them and the way that she speaks I'm envious, like absolutely envious because I'm like, I wish I could speak like that. I wish I could like have those ideas and that vocabulary. She is incredible. And so one of the things that we talk about in this episode, I mean, we talk about so much, you guys, like this is really a super laid back version. I don't even feel like I was quote unquote interviewing her. Like I feel like we were just having a a natural conversation. So we talk about the consequences of ignoring whatever your soul's calling is. We talk about actionable steps to really align yourself with what you were put on this earth to do. We also talk about business and 
but business not in a way of like get 500 email subscribers by <laughs> running a Facebook ad because I don't think business has to be as technical and mechanical and process driven as sometimes it's made out to be. Um, and that's like the really fun part for me. So Erin is, you're going to love this episode, but she's actually a coach specifically for creatives. So people like writers and musicians and artists and people who are just in the creative space who really need to focus on their actual art and Erin helps them with the business side of things. So I think that's an incredible um, business just in general, because I really do believe in like supporting creatives and supporting artists as well. And she created this course called Creative, Prosperous, and Free, and it's starting in 2020. And if you guys are interested in it, she's actually going to give you guys 25% off on whatever payment option you're looking at. And if you just use the code get into it, you'll get 25% off. I'm going to include the link so that way you can read more about Creative Prosperous and Free and also any of her. So all of her social media links will be down below so you guys so you guys can check her out. She also has a YouTube channel which is great because then you can learn a little bit more about Erin and some of the things that she really truly believes in and learn more about her. So I'm going to stop talking so that way we can get into the episode. I know you guys are going to love it. Again, check out Erin Vasquez. All of her links will be down below. And if you're interested in learning more about Creative Prosperous and Free, she's so easy to talk to. You can just DM her on Instagram um, and ask her any questions and then use the code GETINTOIT for 25% off because it starts on January. All right. I will see you guys on Friday for part two of the mini series business planning 2020 and yeah you all hey Erin how are you I'm doing really well Brie how are you I'm good I'm so excited you're finally on the podcast I know thank you so much for having me we've had so many great conversations it just seems like a natural extension (laughs) it does um so Erin is a mindset and emotional healing coach for creatives which I think is one I love the niche because it's so specific and everyone knows I love to be specific and I think niches are important um but we actually met on an app called Shaper. And I've talked about Shaper before. This isn't an ad for them, although I think they should pay me at this point because I (laughs) shout them out all the time. Um, But if you guys haven't downloaded Shaper, it's pretty, I've had some good interactions on it. Obviously, like a really beautiful friendship between Erin and I blossomed and a couple of other guests that I've had on the podcast. So um, it's Shaper, S-H-A-P-R, no E, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's how we met and we just kind of like continued our friendship. And I always feel so enlightened and like uplifted after every single conversation we have. And I feel like we check in with each other, like every couple of months and we're always at like different stages of, of our lives. Like you moved recently and then I had like all that stuff with my grandmother go on. And so it was just a really, like, I feel like we've, both been there to support each other 
It's been, the, the first of all, the feeling is totally mutual and it's, you want to create that community. And a very interesting thing about like having such a really, it's like a deep relationship. Like we're not talking on the surface. So a lot of my interactions with shapers, like, okay, you know, it's almost like online dating. There's people that you really click with and then others where you're like, okay, like I probably won't be interacting with them again, but then there's the ones that you really click with and it's like so far below the surface. And I feel like, especially as entrepreneurs, no matter what kind of service or product you're providing, it's so important to have those people that you can have real conversations with because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I go on Instagram and I know this isn't real and I'm able to check myself with this, but you go on Instagram and it's like the perception can be, I'm so behind, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, no, 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 behind the scenes, we're constantly having to decide to champion ourselves, our ideas, our visions, our clients. And we have to make that decision probably about 5 billion times a day. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree. And I know actually this is like so ironic that you're talking about this too, because you recently went on like a social media I don't want to, you didn't call it a detox. You just said that you were stepping back from social media. And that's something I am actually going to be doing starting the day, like Thanksgiving into the new year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like not be on social media. I'm still going to have posts like in my mm -hmm. stories because obviously like I'm promoting the, like the podcast and all of that. Um, but I'm going to have VAs do it for me because I'm just like really feeling that comparisonitis that whole thing kind of creep up on me but like talk about your experience when you decided to take a step back from social media the decision came at the heels of I think a couple of different things um one of them was in a well, I, I had a baby, so I became a new mother. And with that, there's a huge identity shift. Mm -hmm. And within your business, which obviously I love my son, but my business was my first baby. And, and when the relationship with that changes so drastically because you take on a new role, it was almost like I couldn't see myself and what I was doing. So when I went onto social media, I felt like I was almost absorbing other people's visions, like, like making the mistake of thinking that they had to be my own as opposed to being inspired by them and just taking it as inspiration because we also as entrepreneurs have to really stand by what's in our heart and what's in our minds and make sure that we don't drift into the land of the shoulds. Like I should be like her or I should be like him. But mm -hmm. I think I was so off center from this really significant and beautiful, beautiful life change. I I'm not trying to complain about it at all, but it really is so significant. And I couldn't, I just couldn't see what I was doing anymore. And I could feel myself when I was putting up social media posts, I was in the land of the should like, oh, I should post to Instagram because that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. But when I was writing or posting pictures, like I felt so disconnected 
from it. And that felt like an issue of integrity for myself personally. So in like almost intuitively, I just put it down for a while. And I would say that it was a good move. Um, I think, of course, that there was a fear that it would ruin my business or something like that. But I'm the only one who can ruin my business, not Instagram. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then after all of that, I felt energized. And now it's a joy to show up. So yeah, you know, like you mentioned, like I'm an emotional healing coach, which probably implies, you know, gives a pretty good clue that I'm into energy and really sensitive to it. So I pay attention to those signals. And I know with you and everything that you've gone through really recently, you're probably ready to like recharge. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for you. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I had a, I want to talk about the should thing because I had a really good therapist a few years ago um, who said it sounds, because, and I didn't catch this about myself, which is why like I think therapy is so, or just like coaching in general is so important because Mm -hmm. we all have blind spots. And so my blind spot was I should, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing that. And he was like, you need to stop shooting all over your life. And I was like, that's such a perfect example because we really do think that by what we see on Instagram, that people are creating this like quote unquote blueprint for us. But really the only way to create a blueprint for your business is to develop it on your own. And I think like exactly what you were talking about, like you have to be connected to yourself, to I think whatever higher power or your higher self, like whatever you believe in, in order to make that message really, really clear. I think especially as creatives, right? Like artists and musicians, like that is your soul that you're putting out into the world. And like you're that whole misalignment that you were talking about or that integrity that like gives me anxiety when I feel like I'm not being transparent or authentic. Like I will downward spiral into that. I don't know why that's like such a big moral thing for me. Well, it's probably a way in which we're all designed very differently. And some people, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the term HSP, highly sensitive person, but if someone Mm -hmm. is highly sensitive and really like being in integrity is really high up on their values list, any kind of misalignment and integrity is going to throw them off in a really um, profound way. And that's not to say that anything else is bad or wrong. Like this isn't a moral diatribe. It's just that certain people like you who love these kinds of conversations, who really love helping other people, you're going to be more sensitive to what is right and wrong with you. And I'm really curious, did that therapist tell you that while you were still in corporate America? Um, what do you mean? Like the shouldn't thing? I had just left. I had just left. And so that's like when I was like in the thick of my anxiety Mm -hmm. and I was like, I should be able to do this. Like I should be doing this and I should be, you know, Mm -hmm. working my way up the corporate ladder and I should be, you know, fine with sitting in a cubicle all day. And it was like, he was like, maybe it's not fine. <laughs> like, maybe that's just not your thing. And I was like, yeah, but I should be. And he was like, well, what if you took the should out of the equation? Yeah. He's like, do you want, like, replace that with want? 
And I was like, okay, well that changes the whole conversation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, it, it totally makes sense. Cause he I was, was right really good. I really wish that like, I mean, I don't feel like I need, I mean, I go in and out of therapy all the time. Cause I just, I, it's something I've been doing since I was 18 and I absolutely love it. Yeah. But I really wish that like he was where I live now and not like two hours away. <laughs> That is that is the tragedy. I've had to leave a good therapist or two also, and I'm like, can't you just move with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually still talk to him. Like, I'll email him randomly oh, cool. um, if I find, like, resources for anxiety that I think, like, might help his patients. Like, I'll send them, like, books oh, and, like, so cool. articles and stuff. So he's, like, we're still on good speaking terms, but there's that, like, client therapist thing so like we're yes. not friend friends but we're yeah. like the we boundary. Yeah, yeah there's definitely a boundary there uh-huh. but yeah I mean I think um I think social media has just this weird way with entrepreneurship and I, I I'm at that point too how you were saying like you felt that stepping away from social media was going to impact your business and that's kind of what I'm trying to wrap my head around even though I don't feel like my business is so reliant on social media in, I don't want to say in comparison, but on, I guess that's the only way to put it in comparison to some other people that I know we've had conversations about, like that their business is very heavily reliant upon the audience that they've built on Instagram. Like I don't feel that way, but it's still going to be a weird thing because I create so much content for social media. If anything, it'll be a really great time to reflect and also see what what is true, you know, like what what gets to adjust about it. I know that the whole reason I started creating digital and group coaching courses is because when I got pregnant, I was so tired that my one-on-one coaching business model just went completely out the window and with it all my revenue. It was a pretty profound wake-up call mm-hmm. that when I wasn't working, neither was my business. So so it's almost good to take certain things out of the equation and see like, oh, is, is this still standing on its own two legs? Like how are all of these other systems and what what is the relationship like now that I can see and equate the equation through a different lens and from a different experience. Absolutely. And I think that's really powerful to, to have that shift because that's also 2020 is going to be like, I'm going to not be working one-on-one with clients anymore unless like they're really good friends of mine or like referrals, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to be publicizing or like really looking for um, because I want to go a hundred percent course based in my business. So talk about what that transition was like of going from having clients to doing more one-on-one work or I'm sorry, course work. I think a lot of it for, for my work, my, my biggest trepidation was will what I do actually bring results? That's what you have. I mean, that's what I really wanted to make sure because what I do either like it can really affect the way someone lives their life basically or any entrepreneur, but this is also some unconscious mind hypnosis stuff. So I'm like, okay, is this going to work in 
a digital or group setting. So I had to take it to the streets and test it out. And there was one test that I did and it was just so, (laughs) it was a mess. I was trying to fit in so much information into a really, really short period of time. Mm -hmm. And that course I created um, based on a bunch of shoulds. Like, I don't know where I picked this up from, but just this random number in my head saying our industry standard is six modules for a group coaching course or a digital course. And I was like, okay, well, I'll put all of this information into six weeks and it was not enough. So that was really good to know. And so I decided to double that time and I did the course in a different way. And it grew into a 12 week program. And through that, I was able to see that, yes, what I do can be effectively and successfully taught in a group coaching format. And from there, now I'm going to create that into a digital format, a digital course format, because I now that I know that it works, that I'm able to do it. So I think going back to that integrity issue, that was probably the biggest question for me. Can I, can I actually give people emotional healing tools and business tools that, and, and it work in this way? So that, like that really enlists a, a, an outcome or a result. Right. And, you know, of course, like any other course, they have to do the work. They have, I'm just going, I'm going to give them the tools, but if they don't do the work and then they say, you know, this weird pattern is still showing up in my life. Okay. Well, (laughs) did you do this? Did you go back and do that? No. Okay. Well go back and do it. (laughs) Right. Well, I feel like that's honestly a lot of, like, I think as coaches or just like only online creators, like we can't take, like we can have the, we can set the intention to have, to have people when they take our courses or work with us, that they have this result. But at the same time, like we can't be held responsible for other people's actions and how they, like someone explained this to me, like it's almost like a coffee filter. Like you are the actual coffee filter, but what someone puts in, like what type of coffee they put into the coffee machine, like Mm -hmm. what actually drips out is like everyone else's, like how they're receiving your information. And I was like, that is such a good analogy. It's perfect. Yeah. That's exactly like how I kind of feel about it, about it. And I, I mean, obviously like I create stuff for Pinterest, so it's very, um, systematic and like, you know, okay, you do this and then that, and like, you're going to get the result as long as you do it correctly. But I think with like emotional healing, it's, it's not linear. No, it's not linear. And that was the biggest question about it. Unfortunately, I had some tools that, that are actually, a really good container and are mechanistic. So the formula works and everyone's going to bring different things. And, and that's what inspired me. I saw that from all of the coaching one-on-one that I did before I switched into this model. I was like, I'm bringing the same process to my clients time after time after time. And every client is so significantly different from each other. 
and there are really great results happening. So maybe it's okay if I bring this to a wider audience at once so it can have a bigger impact. But you're so right. We can't, we can't control the outcome. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's so difficult, I think, too, especially for people who are just starting out um, to really wrap their head around. But I think that also, I mean, I, I think as entrepreneurs, so much of what we do is because of who we are. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like if, if, and there are a lot of, you know, good entrepreneurs, but there's also some sketchy McSketchersons out there who um, <laughs> are not necessarily the most um, trustworthy bunch of people, which just happens in any industry, right? Like it, yeah. that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, what do you feel like is going to be like the next kind of step in your business or like what do you feel like you're being called to kind of create I think I'm being called to step out of any kind of remaining scarcity mindset in terms of giving away really high quality information and so with that, what I'm feeling called to do is to be more robust on YouTube and give, give the information that's the most important. I think a lot of, and, and I'm seeing less and less of this in our industries, obviously we have to, we must get paid for something that we offer that's really valuable to our clients and customers. There's no doubt about that. And at the same time, I feel like giving more information out there, like, like for instance, so the process that I'm talking about in terms of like the container and the process, it's called timeline therapy. And I go online and I see all these things about timeline therapy and it describes what it is, but I've never been able, <clears throat> excuse me, able to accurately convey by a description what it is. It's an experience that you get to go through and it's prompted by a basically a script of words, right? That is offered by a facilitator and eventually you can just learn how to do it by yourself and you know how to go in there when you know when you need to go in there and when you need to do it and everything. But everyone's talking intellectually and academically about it online. I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of what I've seen. And it's not an intellectual or academic experience. And if I'm looking at, so I was talking about identity and in terms of who I am and what I'm here to offer. And if I reconnect with my mission to make sure that people are really healing at a spiritual and emotional level so that people like me <laughs> have to be unemployed, like it's, I, I would really desire that everyone just like heal and be well and we pass it down to our children and everything. Um, then why wouldn't I use these amazing technological tools to go out there and offer all of this online in any in 
any way that I can that's ethical and safe, of course. So that's one of the things that I'm looking at that I actually am doing. Like I said before, you and I hopped on here, I was editing a meditation video for YouTube. And then what I'm going to be doing, I'm, I'm going to continue the group coaching class and what I'm going to do also is break down the process. The group coaching class has basically three different modules. One is the emotional healing at an unconscious level. The other is building a really strong and masterful mindset. And the third one is business basics for creatives and section those out into their own digital courses so people can come into the program where they're ready for it and have it all right there in one stop shop, be a part of a community on Facebook and also access it at a place that's not price prohibitive, like, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't advertise it anymore, but um, it's, it is purposely cost prohibitive. And then even a group coaching class, some people just aren't at the place yet where they can, get the thousand dollars together or the payment plan together and I get right. it in there. So, yeah. So when you say the word creatives, like who is it specifically for? Like what types of creatives? Cause I feel like My, that's a broad term. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do mean it broadly in a sense that I am obsessed with helping artists of all kinds break out of this broke, depressed artist crap so um and 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 so that means for me visual artists actors writers photographers musicians models um entrepreneurs are obviously highly creative i've seen something on shaper interestingly enough a lot of scientists wanting to get out into the art scenes so that's an oh, interesting, interesting. I know it's very, very what is the I'm like trying to see what the calling or connection could be. Well, I've only spoken to three of these individuals, and I think they're seeing, and this is a little bit woo woo, a synthesis of the order of the lab, of the laboratory, and then the nature all around them. And they're all starting to feel called to get into the visual arts, all three of them. So that's amazing. Interesting. I'm like thinking of like scientists in a lab with like their little like, what are those glasses called? <laughs> like, the, like the goggles, <laughs> like the white lab coats. And they're like, you know what I'm going to feel like doing when I get home is painting. Like. <laughs> Yeah. or pottery or something that's interesting though Isn't that's it? really interesting I know I love it it's it's I think we're moving into a time of it's not either or it's yes and like there's this beautiful synthesis of all things you know because it used to be like are you into arts or are you into sciences and maybe you do lean toward one or the other a little bit more but I think we should stop um, speaking to our children in ways that excludes them from certain possibilities, you know? That yeah, just like, no, question. that's, that's actually so crazy you brought that up because I was just thinking about that in the shower this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I don't know, all my good thoughts come in the shower, but I, I was 
thinking like I'm really grateful because my parents never like forced me to stay in anything like I did a lot growing mm -hmm. up like I did guitar I did ballet I did gymnastics oh. I did soccer I did like plays like I did a lot of different things and like if I didn't want to do it, like my parents always made sure that I stayed committed. Like if they signed up for a six week class, I had to finish the six week class. But if I like didn't want to go back, like they were like, that's fine, but you have to like try something new. And so it was always like, I felt like my childhood was just trying. And I think my life has just been trying things like all the time. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm never scared of trying something. Cause it's not like I'm looking to fail or succeed at it. I just want it was more of the process of trying something new and exploring and doing things um and I think yeah it was never about like oh well because Brianna did soccer one year now she's just gonna be an athlete it was like okay well I didn't I did soccer for a couple of seasons and I was like I want to take guitar lessons so my parents like signed me up for guitar lessons so it, I never felt like boxed into just being like oh, like she's a musician or she's an art or she wants to do, you know, athletic stuff or she wants to do ballet. So I think that that's a really great way, I think, to raise kids. That's so amazing that they did that for you. And like you said, like your childhood was just about trying, about trying, about trying. And now you're an entrepreneur, which is like, that's all we're doing is trying new things all the time. And that's, right. that's really amazing because you're right. Like, oh, you did soccer for your, now you're an athlete. No, the only constant in life is change. And maybe a child locks into soccer and that's the trajectory and you'll know if that's it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not saying like, if your kid is like, mom, I want to take ballet and I just want to keep doing it. Like yeah. go like, that's fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a parent. So, like I shouldn't even be speaking on how to parent kids, but all I know is like, I think it worked for me because I was always I think part of it too was like I was so shy, like painfully shy as a kid, which always Me surprises too. people. Because like too. now I'm, yeah, like now I'm very outgoing. But I think part of that was also just you have to just show up and try. Like that was always the big thing in my house is you at least have to try it. I think that's a good enough rule. And then I want to <laughs> take, I I want to take a page from Sarah Blakely's parents, Sarah Blakely, the CEO and founder of Spanx and like the youngest self-made billionaire woman in America. Um, her dad used to ask her and her brother what they failed at that week as a positive. And mm -hmm. if they hadn't failed at something, he would inquire as to why were they playing it so safe? Where did you not like get creative enough or go outside the lines enough and everything? And I, I'm like, that's such an interesting take on it because as a kid, I was also painfully shy and I was terrified of doing something wrong and mm. quote unquote embarrassing myself or letting someone down or getting an F or something like that. And then we see someone like Sarah Blakely, who's just amazing in so many different ways. And her dad was like, you, you need to fail more often. And I was like, whoa, that was such a huge light bulb moment for me when I heard her talking on someone else's podcast. Oh, I love that. You know, I think, I think, yeah, I totally relate to what you were saying about, I was always like worried about being embarrassed or mm -hmm. like, 
I don't want to say I was scared of sucking at it because I never felt the pressure from my parents to be like, okay, you have to be the best soccer player, like the best in the bat. Like I never felt that kind of pressure. But I do think, you know, working in, in corporate America, my first boss, as much as I like knock him all the time, like I just was like, this guy was nuts. He did, he taught me a lot about myself. And I think like a lot about resilience and like just what I can endure in general. Um, but he, he did say, he's like, he's, he was more about like, what did he say? falling failing forward fast or something like that I forget what the actual like thing is but he wanted us to like whenever we were trying to roll out like a new recruiting process he's like just roll it out and whatever doesn't work like we'll figure it out from that point forward but he was just so big on just like getting a process out there and trying it and like whatever didn't work just scaling from that. And I think I've really applied that into my business now of like, Mm -hmm. I'd rather just put out something. And if the feedback isn't good or something's going wrong, I'd rather adjust from there than never putting it out. You know, that makes so much sense. And, and as entrepreneurs, we have to be really conscious of that opportunity because if we get to, and I've made this mistake, this is why I'm speaking to it. I, if we're too emotionally attached to the thing that's not working and we let our ego get involved in it. And I know mm-hmm. I've said like, well, people just aren't getting it. They aren't getting it. It's like, no girl, you're not getting it. They are not picking up what you're putting down. So let's look at that in a really honest, non-critical kind of way. So it's yeah. cool that you've got that experience with um, your boss. So how do you remain that where you're like emotionally, I don't want to say invested, but like you're also able to take that step back and be like, okay, wait, I need to reevaluate my attachment to something. Is it like the, you're attached to the outcome or attached to the actual content? It's been attached to the actual content. If I stay aware of my mission And that's the emotional part. If I'm driven emotionally by my mission and I need to be because otherwise this shit is, I mean, sorry, the stuff is just too difficult. You can cuss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this shit is bananas, right? Like, let's be real here. It is not easy. Like it, it just isn't easy. And for anyone who's like still pre- I heard the greatest term listening to Tim Ferriss and his friend Ramit Sethi a couple of weeks ago or months ago on um, Tim's podcast. They were saying um, something about before they reached escape velocity, right? And if you're at that point where you're like banging your head against the wall and there's another no and another failure, it's like, if you're not connected with your mission on an emotional level, you are going to go be an employee so fast, right? Like, because otherwise it's just not worth it. So emotionally, I stay connected to my vision because that's what pulls me forward. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what helps me get over any kind of disappointment. And at the same time, in order to fulfill that mission, I have to take a more objective look about at what's working and what isn't working. So that comes down to dollars and cents. And if the dollars aren't in the bank, then there's 
a variety of different things to look at. Is it the offer? Is it the marketing? Is it the pricing? Is it the format? Whatever it is, because then you get to go and be a detective and figure it all out. And that's where the mindset comes in. You have to keep cool, calm, and collected and objective to it because instead of, I mean, it could be really, really easy to be like, oh man, and this is where comparison and social media comes in, like so-and-so did this and it did really well. Um, why didn't it happen for me? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's the wrong question. Like, what do I get to shift? Or I shouldn't say wrong question because that's a pretty decent question. I feel like that's the wrong mood. Like the self-effacing, um, self-defeating kind of like, well, they did it. Why can't I do it? Well, no, 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 you can do it, but we have to find a thousand ways for it not to work before we find the one way that it does work. And then we have to innovate that. <laughs> and go through it all again. So yeah. I think you brought up an interesting point too, and I want to like clarify what you mean. So when you were talking about it boils down to dollars and cents is that the metric for measuring how well you're doing in business yeah I think for business yes in life not necessarily I don't want to equate life happiness with what's in the bank account right if there's not money coming in then you have a hobby you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or if you're not working on ways to make sure that there's money coming in, I am very pro profit. I'm very pro wealth. I'm very, uh, like I like financial wellness a lot. I'm all mm-hmm. about it. So I know for me personally, I've experienced the feast. I've experienced the famine that I, it's not worth it to me to maintain a quote unquote business that isn't financially at a certain level. Right. I think that's a really good point because yeah, I think being in business, obviously it's to make money. Like yes, even to, and I think that's where like people get the lines blurred is like, I think sometimes it becomes a black and white issue or people think it is. And I don't think it is where it's like, okay, well, if I'm, you know, trying to do something where I have a mission and I have a vision and I want to make the world a better place, then that doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money I'm making or like, but it's like, okay, yeah, but you also want to eat, right? You want to like have a roof over your head and like put gas in your car and do all of those things. So I think you can still have a super purpose driven business and want to make money at the same time. But I also think, you know, for me, I think this year has been not that my, how do I say this? Like so much of my, I think growth has happened on a personal level, Uh but not so much a business level. Like I'm trying to, and I think it will come next year where like it will really start to just explode, I think. Um, But for this year, I think I like needed to figure it out of like, what am I doing? Like, what do I want? Like, what are the things yeah. that like I need to do to feel good in my business? And how do I start showing up as the person who owns that type of business? Um, that's been, I think, my biggest hurdle this year. I think that's 
really beautiful too, because we do have to sit back and reevaluate because we're constantly changing. Our model of the world at an unconscious level is constantly changing every single second. And it's all these little subtle changes in day-to-day life. And, you know, six months later, a year later, 10 years later, we wake up and we don't even recognize the person that we are right now in this moment, you and I talking, any of the listeners listening, anything like that. So it behooves us to take a step back and look at a bunch of things and integrate what it is that we're learning and what has happened and what has impacted us. And you've had a really big year. I've had a really big year. So sometimes it's more obvious when we need to do that. And when I say I'm pro wealth, I do not mean at the cost of <laughs> of wellness, like right. wealth in a way that creates a win-win-win for all situations. So if it's a pro wealth at the cost of my relationship with my son, it ain't going to happen. I don't, it's, it's just not going to happen. Like I, you know, so like you're saying, what do I really want? Okay. Well, I want this. I want that. I want this. And I want my relationship with this person to look like that. And then sitting back and looking at like, how does that all work together? Yeah. Well, and I think too, like money isn't, I don't think money is inherently good and I don't think it's inherently bad. I think it's what you do with the money and the feelings that like you could be a really greedy person and then that would make money bad. But if you're like a very giving person or you want to do things for your family or for your community, that makes the money good. Like I think it, it is all how you really look at it. And I think one completely lost that thought. I like had it in my head and I was like, oh, this is good. I have to say this. And now I can't remember. Oh, I was going to say, I think measuring your business, especially where, with where I'm at right now, it's like, I was, I'm measuring it by like, okay, like I just figured out, I don't want to do one-on-one coaching anymore because it's very physically draining on me and it's very taxing. I'm the type of person I put so much energy into one-on-one stuff that Mm -hmm. it wasn't serving my energy the best. Like my energy is best in creating content and having a larger class size than just one person. Um, And that to me, like that's a huge win. Like that is big that I figured that out this year. And now I know what I want my model to look like next year. But like, I think it's sometimes you have to measure your business. I think when you're starting out, right, until you get bigger and you're like, you have to pay, you know, big numbers and taxes, like you better start really ranking in the dough to be able to pay those types of things. But I think in the beginning, sometimes it's all about like, okay, figuring out how you're measuring things that aren't necessarily quantifiable. True. I think that's a really good point because you're right. If you're looking at one-on-one and you can charge a good rate for one-on-one, but it's decreasing your quality of life. Okay. All right. Well, let's look at value systems. How am I showing up? How is that affecting my life? And then obviously if it's, if there's a breakdown, then it's going to have you stop and pause and you're going to make that adjustment. So I I think that's really, really well said. I didn't want to make it sound like money is the be all end all. I just don't 
I, I am just so pro making money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we need it. Like, that's the thing yeah. is I think if we demonize it, right. then it's like, you're, and you're stressed about it, then it just becomes a bigger, a bigger thing. And I think it's really hard too, to tell entrepreneurs who are just starting out or anyone who's just in a tough financial situation, like, don't be concerned about money, like focus on your vision and the money will come. It's like, I don't know if you guys have ever not had money, but it's literally the only thing you can ever think about. Just like, think about it when you're hungry. You're like, all you can think about is an in and out burger, like a pizza pizza or like ice cream. Like you are just, that's all you can think about. So I think it's unfair when like, you know, some coaches are like, don't think about money. It's not important. It's like, no, it is important. You have to recognize that like you will get to a point. That's like kind of where I was at this year. I was like, okay, I know I can make the money. So it no longer became a motivator for me. So I had to find out like, okay, if I'm not going to be motivated by money anymore, what's going to be my motivation? Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So I shift, I think that was the biggest shift. It was like, okay, great. I can make money but what am I like that, that came, that happened, what I need to figure out what it is that I really like. And for me, it was like, I really just like creating courses. Like I love teaching. I love go, I, part of my childhood was we had a garage that like part of it, we turned into like a little classroom. Like I had a whiteboard and like desks. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I was ever the kid that was like, oh yeah, I was selling, you know, baseball cards and like candy at you know Mm. to my high school friends or to my neighborhood it was like no I wanted the neighborhood kids to come over so I could teach them (laughs) yeah that's always been my motivator and I had to like do the work around that this year to figure that out so cool and that's really great and it's interesting because we do we get to those different levels where we have that freedom to sit back and be like, Oh yeah, this is the thing that I love doing the most. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of from that initial hustle, that initial grind where you do have to cut your teeth and figure out how you're going to pay the rent and, and buy the food. And then you get to a different level and you're able to re-strategize if there's a breakdown or if there's something that isn't quite working for you. So that's really cool. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, and I think that kind of goes into like what your soul's like calling or your, that like urge to do something that like you're really passionate about. So what do you think happens? I think, especially with creative creatives when they're denying what they're supposed to be doing. Like, they're like, well, I have to go to my nine to job and like punch them the numbers and like, <laughs> take my break at noon type of thing. There's several different things that are happening with that. And one of them is that the path to being quote unquote, being an artist or substitute that for any other endeavor, being a writer, being a musician is fraught with so much uncertainty. If you want to be a dentist, there is a very clear um, step-by-step checklist that you need to check off and then you will be a dentist and there's a relative amount of certainty that you will make a comfortable living and have some predictability around your life. And that's really appealing for us because if you haven't had money before, the amount of uncertainty around that 
okay, I have $20 for the next six days. How am I going to eat? Well, <laughs> I've been there and I got sick of ramen, like so sick of ramen. And, um, <laughs> and um, the general narrative around artistry because of the uncertainty goes into that that narrative, that story that's told at a pretty wide like group consciousness level of the broke artist, or we see mm. a lot of issues around the depressed artist. So that's one thing, the uncertainty around getting from point A, having that soul urge, and then point B, being a responsible, self-sufficient adult who can get their basic needs met doing something that is fraught with so much uncertainty. Because of that, I think that feeds into another issue that happens is that you might be in a family system that, you know, with very good intentions, wants you to go on the path of certainty. So there might be things that are said to you in your own home, or you might pick it up in pop culture, you might pick it up at school, you might pick it up at church, that it's not safe to be an artist, that it's not safe to be creative, A, for financial reasons, B, like, why don't you just go and work at the family's accounting firm? You know, that's just like kind of a broad generalization of something that a lot of my students and clients have experienced. And, and um, because of that, they feel torn. They're really living in the land of should, I should do this. There's, and then there's another thing that's happening as an artist, as a creative, yes, you draw inspiration from the greats. Like every artist has that moment where they read a novel or they hear a song or they see a painting and like their heart explodes, right? And they're like, oh my God, that, that is just that's mine. I have to do it. But in order to be an artist and a creative, you are by definition doing something that has never been done before. So there's no, again, this goes back to uncertainty. There's no proof or validation of what you're doing. You can't, like, if you're a dentist, you can say, hey, did I clean this tooth correctly? And someone can say, yes, you cleaned that tooth correctly, or no, in order to clean that tooth more correctly, you have to do this. As an artist, you're doing something and bringing something into the world that has never been done before. So the amount of vulnerability in combination with the uncertainty around that is, it's a lot. You have to have a really, really strong mindset to stand by that and be at the risk of being rejected um, and talked about in a really poor manner. I think Kanye is just such a strong, strong example of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's doing what he's going to do. And every time he sneezes, he's upsetting somebody because he sneezes in the way that Kanye is going to sneeze. So, but he stands by it. He has a strong constitution about what he's going to do. Yeah. And he will not accept anything other than what's in his mind. Not all of us are blessed with that constitution that that guy has. So I think those are the biggest things. It's, it's 
almost like this primitive, along with this primitive need to create, there's a contradictory primitive need to be safe. <laughs> and they are in direct opposition to each other. And it shows up in so many different ways. I love that. I love that you brought Kanye up too, because he is, I think, just a really great example of an artist of our time that's just yeah he that's he's gonna he's left such a huge legacy for sure so my last question is i think talking about artists is what are some of the consequences like if someone is feeling that desire to go out and be an artist or a a painter or a musician or something like that but they're like you know, my dad's owned an accounting firm. My family's owned an accounting firm for generations. And like, I went to school to become an accountant and this is the expectation. I mean, that's just one example, but like, what are those consequences if you ignore your soul's calling to do what it really wants to do? If you're ignoring your soul's calling, the consequence is that you're living this one life according to other people's terms and you're shooting all over yourself right like again in that land of the should and the way that that's going to show up is a highly decreased quality of life so you might be avoiding the uncertainty and the criticism the uncertainty of no clear path to where you want to be in the criticism of people who aren't necessarily going to be on board at first but <laughs> if you keep going and you get rich guess what people are going to be on board but anyway um... <laughs> there's actually not to interrupt you there's I think it was either Oprah or Brene Brown or maybe a conversation they had together where they said like you cannot live a life where you're doing what you want to do without disappointing people that's not verbatim that's just like how I retained it but I thought that was really like just had to throw that in there and it's true and and it's what people need to realize around that is that people's thoughts feelings and actions aren't about you. So if you go out there and do what you want and the way people react is their reactions aren't about you. Like, so, so to get back to the original question, because I think this is really important, what happens when you ignore your soul's calling, and I'm not saying this to sound dramatic, but it could literally kill you. It's going to cause dis-ease. Eventually your body is going to do something, create something for you to look at saying like, hey, things are not working. And for me, that showed up as anxiety and severe depression like debilitating panic attacks where I couldn't even drive down the highway. Um, and sometimes, it, well, never mind. I won't get into details. If anyone listening, please reject that at an unconscious level and, and all sorts of things and depression. And we see these, an epidemic right now of mental illness. And I think it's because people are not listening to their soul, whether, whether your soul's calling is to go be an accountant, it can be the flip side. You can be like born to a bunch of hippie artists and be like, I want to go be a corporate lawyer (laughs) and defend big corporations who are eviscerating the environment. And of course you're going to get pushback, but maybe that's like your calling. I don't know, like whatever it is. So, um, so it, it will literally cause 
dis-ease. And then to get back to that other point, um, oh, and, and all of that mental illness, guess what? That is, you think that mental illness comes from not feeling that you are good enough to do what you were put on this earth to do. And having that lowered self-esteem, do you think you're going to attract the most um, high vibrational tribe that you possibly can? Do you think you're going to call in your twin flame, like the right partner when you're vibrating at less than like your brightest self? Absolutely not. Like I know when I wasn't listening to my soul's urge, the people that I dated, it's just like, oh yeah, it's a wreck. It's a wreck. Yeah, no, it's a a total reflection of how you feel about yourself. Like, oh, I believe I should be treated like this apparently. Like, no, 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 no. Oh, that's that's why like when I see people who are like, oh, my, you know, ex-boyfriend's crazy or, like, he's nuts. I'm like, okay, that says more about you than it does him because you decided to stay in a relationship with that person, not, like, I don't even know, like, anyone, you know? So I think it's really, it's true. You attract, like, the energy that you put out. Exactly. It's a, your reality is actually a direct reflection of you and how much you're available for, a shitty significant other or drama in your life or breakdowns in your life. And that's where, you know, that's where you really have to take that ownership. So, and that ownership and that strong constitution of understanding that other, others, people's reactions to what you're doing, it's about them. So if you start, if you start saying like, you know what, I was not designed for corporate America. I'm going to start looking at what it would be like to, put myself in a position in life where it would actually be sustainable to paint and maybe have a low stress job so I can support myself painting and I'm not feeling drained by the end of the day. You're going to see people, anyone who reacts poorly to that is because you're kicking up their own shit and their own limitations Mm -hmm. around what they are not allowing themselves to do. So just remember Mm -hmm. that anyone having some strong feelings about Kanye one way or the other, the ones who are upset with Kanye, it's something about them. It's not Kanye. Anyone who's like, hell yeah, Kanye, that also says something about them, not Kanye. Yeah, Kanye doesn't give a shit what anyone no. says. He's still going to do what he wants to do, whether yeah. you like it or not. No, but I, and I, I, like singing about Jesus, like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I respect Kanye a lot, even though I'm not like really into like hip hop or rap or like you know, his music, obviously, like, I enjoy it, but I'm not, like, oh, my gosh, like, obsessed, but I still respect what he does, because I'm, like, that takes balls to try all these different genres and do all these different things, but I love that you brought in the consequences of of literally disease, and I think that's originally how me and you connected, even on Shaper, when we started talking, I was, like, I I was telling you about my time in corporate and how Mm -hmm. it literally like manifested itself in anxiety as well for me and I would honestly everyone has their own journey obviously but for me like it was it got to the point where like I had to quit before I could figure out how I was going to make money type of thing Mm -hmm. so I think your suggestion of if you want to be a painter you want to be a musician like find a way to support yourself or you know put yourself out there where you are attracting 
connections and, and networking so you can support yourself before you leave your nine to five. Like that's the ideal situation. Um, yeah. Unless you want to be like me where you're like literally throwing up in your car on your way home type, yeah. like type of thing, um, which is never like, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. I don't want anyone to go through that. But I also think sometimes like when you are denying what you really want to do or need to be doing, the universe will always find a way to redirect you. Yeah. And sometimes through your own body by mm-hmm. throwing up on your way home, like <laughs> yeah. how long can you ignore that? Right. You, you really can't. And I just like, I think back to how disconnected I was from myself at that time. Like the body, like my whole body would just be like in just such a, a tense, like tight, um, like really just tight all the time. Like I could just like sit there and I'd be like shaking because my, my muscles were so tight. And I'm like, how did I not think like that was not okay? Like, why did I continue to like think that was fine, that I was feeling okay? Um, Believed that you should be okay. And then your therapist changed that conversation for you. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Or else I'd be back in a cubicle probably on, I mean, not that medication's bad, but like, I would probably not be very happy right now at all, but everyone has, you know, their journey that they have to go through. And I think, um, you know, if you can elicit some type of motivation to put yourself and to really understand like what it is that you want to do and let that desire be a desire, I think people will be okay. But I agree. I think so much of of the world, I think there's a lot of pain um, because we do have this narrative. And I think to tie the whole conversation together, I think it it starts with social media. We Mm -hmm. see our friends from high school or college and we think that like, oh, they're you know, traveling to Cabo three times a year and they have a house and a kid and a hybrid SUV and they, you know, go to yard house for dinner. Like that should be my life too. And it's like, no, like I think it, it, it really come, I think this like whole conversation came full circle there. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I want to point out that you just said that I think is so beautiful. Let the desire be a desire. Just Mm. let, like, that's the first step. Just let it be a desire. Absolutely. I think we'll end it there. So Erin, tell everyone, will you have Creative Prosperous and Free 2020 that's coming up? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's super exciting. But tell everyone where they can find you on the internet and where they can sign up for Creative Prosperous and Free. Yeah, so you can go, you can find me on Instagram at Aaron T. Vasquez, and that's V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. People love to do the V-A-S. It's V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. And then um, AaronVasquez.com is my website. And if you go under, I think it's group coaching, you'll see Creative Prosperous and Free 2020. Or you can find information about it in my bio link on on Instagram as well. And enrollment is open until the end of the year. And then we just start 2020 off in a really robust way. And as I said, like, if you want to subscribe to me on YouTube, that is definitely a thing that I'm offering right now. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have all of her links down below. So you guys can just 
swipe up and there should be in the episode notes all of her links will be there okay cool yeah well thank you so much for being here I think this is such a good podcast and I think it's definitely I hope that everyone listening had some takeaways thank you so much for having me I really appreciate One more thing. If you love this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at livingbrulee with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, connect with you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode,